get to our guest, Neil Lee Borg from the Goodfoot Lounge. I want to tell you that next week we'll have our third video episode, another spousal unit, Shelley Rudolph and Chance Hayden. And they'll be performing too, and that's right here at Artichoke Music in the Cafe, 2007 Southeast Powell Boulevard. We like to bring venue owners in from time to time to hear their side of it. Just kidding. I've wanted to bring in Neil Lieborg, co-owner of the Goodfoot Lounge, because he's always been fun to communicate with one way or the other. He claims he's never been interviewed. I told him it's a conversation, so it's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time anywhere, Neil Lieborg. Welcome to the Artichoke. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, you can get a little closer. A little closer, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Break my 46-year uh, media uh, radio <laughs> silence and give you the exclusive Why scoop. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe the way I was raised. I grew up in a real quiet household yeah. Lutheran Midwest family where you, you, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you know, draw attention to yourself and... Um, so I've just never really been comfortable doing that, but well, know, here we are. You seem fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm faking it. You know, inside it's like a little bunny rabbit oh, in my no, chest. Oh no, no, no! I'm good. Do <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I don't tell anybody I said this, but the Goodfoot's my, always been my favorite club. Oh wow! Well, now you just told everybody. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing like the Goodfoot. There's nothing like it. That's. Probably pretty it true. It really is yeah, true. Yeah, for better or worse, I would you say know, it's probably it's, pretty it's true. Got, now, are you the owner? I am one of two owners. Two, G, okay. G, my partner, G.T. Miley, is the, uh -huh. the other owner. And and uh, how long have you guys owned it? Uh, we opened in uh, last weekend of February 2001. So wow. coming up on 19, wow. 19 years. Wow. And both both floors? Well, initially, it was just the downstairs that was open. Uh -huh. um, the upstairs was... 4,000 square feet of disgusting furniture and broken <laughs> tables, and it was just junk. What had, been, what had it been? Um, well, it was two separate businesses. The oh. downstairs uh -huh. was Choices, um, which was a club, um, a, a ladies' club that had lost its clientele. A so, strip club? Uh, it wasn't a strip club, but it was, it was kind of um, like a... <laughs> like the Egyptian room was was there for the younger oh oh okay female crowded gotcha. lesbian crowd gotcha, and then gotcha. um, choices yeah. was there yeah but I think their crowd had just kind of aged out huh. and so actually how we got the building was that my partner GT was um, he was uh, having dinner at a tapas uh -huh. not topless but tapas <laughs> small plate. Uh, restaurant where, where the uh, baby doll pizza is now, uh -huh. and they uh, they didn't take his credit card for some reason, so they sent him next door to use the ATM, and he walked into uh, Choices and completely empty except for the owner who was behind the bar. Oh, and the owner within five minutes was like, "Do you got? Do you want to buy this place from me?" <laughs> <laughs> and if he had, if it had been me, I would have been like, "Hell no," and just left. But my yeah. my buddy GT, he's he's always. That gets his wheels spinning. He loves this kind of stuff. He's uh -huh. working out a problem, and um, so he's he said yes, and uh, you know there was negotiations and stuff, but it came down to the guy was willing to let it go for no money down, wow, and just uh, monthly payments. So right off the bat, it was uh, it was doable as long as you could yeah turn it around quickly enough to get the doors open to sell enough beer to pay. Uh -huh. So that's kind of it was kind of a 
pretty quick thing and a bit of a mad scramble. But wow! And then how long did it take you to get the upstairs? That was about a year. Yeah. Yeah. It um, mainly the what well, the reason like the business wasn't worth buying. What was worth buying was the twenty five year lease that was oh, on the building. Oh wow! From you know wow. that had been signed in the nineties, so it was huh. pretty cheap at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but in doing that, we had to buy everything that came with it so we ended up having like i said four thousand square feet of stuff to get rid of (laughs) try to figure out how to recycle it what we could give away what needed to just be tossed yeah so that took about a year and then we uh yeah to do that and to build out a kitchen Uh and get the upstairs going Uh Um, so yeah we were just downstairs for yeah about a year what what was the uh, what was the initial idea for the upstairs well ideally we when when gt first had the keys and was like do you want to come see this place with me because i was just <laughs> renting a room in his house i was temporarily back in portland i was i was wow. not initially huh. going to be involved other than helping a buddy out um and he just wanted my opinion so i went with him and i was like oh you have to do this uh, it you know yeah but originally that vision was that the upstairs looked like a better music spot uh-huh because I think it, well, there was a stage for one, which uh-huh. we ended up removing, and it had the tall ceilings. The problem was that it was stick frame. It was like a house, yeah. Um, and the downstairs was all cement, uh-huh. so you could blare music down there. Oh yeah, and you couldn't really do it upstairs, right? Right. Um, right. So, kind of had to flip our thinking, and that's when we were like, well, the downstairs can't compete with the upstairs. It kind of has to complement. So we we went with the idea of doing food and restaurant pool table uh-huh. bar type uh-huh. of, basically what it is right now yeah it's been kind of the yeah. same thing since we opened yeah and an art gallery and an art gallery yeah yeah monthly yeah. art yeah. shows on last thursday yeah 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 i mean that, that's and really... that started early that was we had a neighbor who became a busser by virtue of standing there with nothing in his hands when it was extremely busy <laughs> one friday night and i was like do you want to work and so he started busing for us but he was a a painter and an artist and uh pretty soon he kind of started eyeballing those walls and uh <laughs> and it, jason brown is his name and he t- uh he took it by the horns and, and started doing these art shows about 18 years ago uh-huh. Um, uh-huh so that was all him you know we just provided the wall space and uh-huh. he coordinates and works with all the artists yeah i mean it's really known for that yeah he's done a, a great great job yeah. um i mean yeah. he, he's super hardworking guy and super connected to people and yeah um, i think the artists kind of realize that he's on their side he's not trying to flip a buck off him he's uh-huh. just trying to you know put up good shows and help everybody out huh. what was the idea uh for what kind of music you were going to book downstairs um well i had no background whatsoever in in booking music or uh-huh. no intention it was not on my radar at all <laughs> it fell into my lap uh, by virtue of initially my partner gt had a different partner Uh um and i was just in town for a spell and was going to help gt out Uh um it just turned out that if you're going to open a club with um without a bunch of capital behind you everything's going to be sweat equity right you got to be there in the day you got to be there at night the other partner had a jobby job you know 401k Uh type of thing and Uh kids and uh family and and it was just not feasible so i ended up buying him out um Uh about three months in and at that point um his wife had done some of the booking 
Um, and we had a little different visions and we decided to, well, let's just split it up for now. You do half, I do half. Um, and they, it just wasn't working because, yeah. um, she was doing music that was, um, it was a little more indie rock, a little more shoegaze, a uh-huh. lot of shows where you'd have a lot of people in the room, but no one's dancing. Yeah. And yeah. my thought with the room and kind of the reason that it came up with the name, the good foot was mm-hmm. the idea of just everybody getting together yeah. from all walks of life and, and getting just on a good foot. dance party, have a ball. That's yeah. socialize. Yeah. So, um, so then I took over booking full time and that was kind of the idea was, um, you know, we don't want to pander to people, but you definitely want people to feel like there's going to be dance music. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Um, lots of genres, but we kind of just want people to feel like they can go there and dance how they want to dance, uh-huh. be who they want to be. And, um, you know, unless you're an asshole, you can spend the whole <laughs> night there and come back the next night. You know, occasionally someone gets tossed out by the belt loop because they can't deal with that freedom to dance and be around other people. But mostly everybody comes in and just has a good time. And that's that's what I I booked you. I kind of yeah. I would say it's more like curating a room, a vibe. Oh, it absolutely um, is. Some rooms, yeah. um, maybe some rooms that have taller ceilings and, you know, better green rooms and more production value. They can be event spaces where you could have a thrash metal band rent it or yeah. one night and a promoter yeah. for a different genre of music. Yeah. Another for us, it was like it's kind of got to be consistently a vibe. So that's what we try to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you were one of the fir- I don't know. Were you the first club in town to have a, a soul a soul music DJ? I believe so. I, I, I yeah. think so. Yeah, that was yeah. the that was my my first three bookings. Uh, one of them was was soul stew uh-huh. um and it's kind of weird because this was back i didn't have a cell phone or internet or computer <laughs> for the first several years because i'm just kind of a luddite who wants to be in the woods instead <laughs> of doing this kind of stuff but so people would just drop off these enormous press packs of you uh-huh. know three ring binders with glossy photos and cds all this stuff that yeah fills up your house um and out of these huge stacks, I just saw this CD that just loan CD that said Soul Stew, uh-huh. put it in, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just track after track of um, great soul tunes, uh-huh. and uh, it it just seemed like a no brainer because you could you could be someone who was young when that music came out and come in, you could be someone who's never heard that before but is young and today's time and loves hip hop and maybe recognizes some break beats. Yeah, like it was just kind of this music that kind of everybody could just dance to yeah, yeah and i didn't think yeah. it would last 19 years per se i had no expectation <laughs> but uh, it's still going strong eric's still bringing in new records and, that's amazing yeah it's really cool it's great well you know it's funny um uh i i, I my my audience for for my soul music show at kmhd is runs runs all ages yeah 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 we and we yeah. find that we we yeah. um we get twenty-one-year-olds. Um, yeah. yeah, in case the OLCC is listening, they're always twenty-one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and up to you know, you get seventy-five-year-olds in there shaking it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. Yeah, um, uh, and I'm not so sure there's any other music that is like that. I mean, I guess maybe bluegrass could be. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're you're right. It's it, it does have kind of a, a timeless feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's all you know. It's upbeat. Yes. It's Friday night. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's yeah. that was the, the the thing when I, I took over full time booking instead of splitting it was like I wanted people coming in there like they work hard. I wanted people coming in there that where yeah they're respecting the performers and they're looking at the perform you know they're giving them their attention uh-huh. but they're dancing while they're doing it and they're able to turn and hug their friend and they're not going to interrupt the show by having a good time right and uh right and so that's that kind of started that and it just took off it, huh. no anticipate like we were trying not to get people to come in when we first opened we purposely didn't advertise <laughs> purposely didn't tell the newspapers it didn't have a sign, and we just opened the side door downstairs uh-huh. and uh, told some friends. And uh, so our grand opening was supposed to be soft. And it was. I mean, there was, I was tending bar. There's maybe 60, 70 people. And then we, within a couple of weeks, it was just by Friday night, 300 people, and air <laughs> conditioner would shut down, and the place would just get <laughs> filled with, you know, that's back when you could smoke everywhere. It'd just be blue oh, smokes. <laughs> 120 degrees in there like everything that i would hate right now if i yes. had walked into a venue but there was something special about it back then absolutely i didn't even smoke cigarettes i used to have to come home you didn't and take, have to yeah i'd come home i'd take all my clothes off on the back porch and put them on a hanger and then take a shower before bed if i didn't do all that my entire house would smell like an ashtray i mean it was oh, but all those things that should have driven people away uh there was just a zeitgeist at the time that in 2001 that um, kept people people just coming. It must be really gratifying. It must make you feel really good to 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 to, to have to have to throw a party and people give you money. Yeah, no, that, that, <laughs> it's yeah. You know, again, maybe it's that little Midwest Lutheran boy trying to be humble or something. But I try not to think about it too much. And really? Yeah. When, uh, I'm getting better and giving myself. A little pat on the back a little more now for well you should, you should get a pat on the back yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good to be good to yourself yeah you know i yeah. used to um i remember something i had to really struggle with with this job was that i would um privatize the failures and socialize the success oh so if a show went bad yeah i you know we lost money and bartenders didn't get tips i would lay awake feeling bad about that um huh. Uh-huh. feeling bad about the bartenders not covering rent or uh-huh. you know uh-huh. how i lost the business all this money and then if we had a great show it was like hey everybody we all did it um <laughs> and so i i still do that i i i don't um i always still socialize the success but the 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 failures i you know the when they happen i just take them with perspective now and it doesn't doesn't quite hang on me like at the start when whether uh-huh. or not we could make payroll was uh-huh. based on whether an extra 50 people came to a show, you know. Listen, when we're done here, just leave the therapist fee right here on the table, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You know, it's been 46 years. It's all going to come out now like a, like a raging river That's of great. angst and stuff. It was so funny last week. I was I was working on something, and, and uh, I might have been in here, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, uh, and I get this uh, text from Anna Amman, our publisher, saying, it looks because Aliyah Wyndham was, was uh, someone who was, has been had been with Oregon Music News from the beginning. Although she, then she stopped because she had two kids. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and she said, "It looks like we got the good foot." I went, "That's weird. I'm having Neil in here." <laughs> I know we we, we, we could have done them both right now. Just <laughs> signed some papers, worked out some deals. You know, two birds. That's funny. One stone. October twenty. Mm-hmm. 
Sunday from 5 to 8? Yeah. We would be uh, done cleaning up after Farnell Newton's James Brown tribute that awesome. night before. And awesome. Ready to host you guys for yeah, whatever you come up with. That's, that's great. Yeah, we're still working on, on the bands. We should have that. By the time this, this, this goes up on Thursday, I'm hoping we'll have that locked up. But, um, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, 10 years of this. Yeah, time flies. Time flies. I was actually on the drive over. I, I figured you were going to ask some origin story stuff of the place. Yeah. And so I thought back and it's like, wow, 19, almost 19 years. I yeah. Mean, I, 19 years ago, but I would never, never guess that I would ever have anything to do with a bar or music <laughs> venue, really. Um, so so you, 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 you don't play and you never had anything to do with the music industry? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not a good musician. I've always been a music collector yeah I got, oh yeah? Yeah, yeah yeah we won't turn this into too big of a therapy session it's but okay for things in my life when i was younger uh -huh. there were situations where i could turn to music particularly sure finding um discovering uh motown and then jazz uh -huh. kind of early in high school and then yeah. and then by sophomore year of high school i discovered the grateful dead and then it was just there you go uh, shot out of a can and <laughs> you know that's probably the best thing just about besides family relationships that's ever happened to me was was connecting <laughs> with that band and, and um so yeah music's always been really important to me but yeah always as a collector or spectator uh-huh um, uh -huh. it's in fact still um i don't ever get up on the stage and introduce bands even if they ask me to because it feels to me like it's their space and i'm not uh -huh. a player so i'm uh -huh. like, oh, not you have a musician to get uh -huh. up there you know like uh -huh. i feel like i don't really belong up there i'm kind of the yeah. coordinator behind the scenes yeah. who just loves yeah. what they do yeah Anna uh, asked me to dj a little bit at, 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 at the at, at the uh, that would be fun yeah i would do that in a heartbeat yeah i would yeah. i mean that's yeah. kind of um why gt kind of was like you do the music was uh -huh. because when we were in college oh. um, there were a couple years when i i dropped out of my first college because of the grateful dead <laughs> <laughs> did you follow them around i sure did did you yeah yeah and then when i when i got i realized like after a while like i I can walk and chew gum. I can go back to a different school that I'm more happy with, which ended up being Michigan State. And I can still see shows. I can still go to class and I can make it all work. And so I did that. But, you know, when we were together at Michigan State, living um, big old house with seven, eight different people living right. there, um, just inevitably, whether it was me being pushy or what, I always got to put the music on after the bar uh -huh. whenever we had a party so i did have a history of of, of digging through my crates and tapes and uh -huh. things and, and uh -huh. kind of being being yeah. that guy when uh, i was the publisher of the underground paper in baltimore maryland okay um uh axo maxoa mm -hmm. was the um the album that uh, we always put on when we were tripping. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's kind of made for that, isn't it? It is made for that. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely made for that. And uh, has, uh, certainly has um, been a big influence on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll get it out, and I'll listen to it again. And unfortunately, I've never had a flashback. Always wanted to have a flashback, never had yeah, one. Yeah, it's like a free trip. I know, yeah. I know. And I, I never have. I was always disappointed in that. But anyway... It's maybe it's not too late. Who knows? Yeah, my actually just to go off on a tangent, my uh, wife and kids didn't be I brought tears to my eyes. They yeah, I used to be a big taper collector. Uh -huh. Had maybe a thousand bootlegs, mostly Grateful Dead, but yeah, Miles Davis, Gil Scott Heron, uh -huh. Wilson Pickett, yeah. Bob Marley, just yeah. all this stuff. 
Um, it had been in storage for 20-some years, huh. just sitting there. And my uh, kids and my wife this summer, they went in there, discovered them, cleaned them all up without telling me, uh, got cases for a couple hundred of them, uh, mounted them to the wall in the basement down. So it's kind of my little room down there. Yeah. And, uh, and I took my dad's old Kenwood receiver from the 70s yeah. and then went to Fred Sound of Music uh-huh. and bought a mid-70s tape deck from them. Um, and now reel to reel, uh, it, just or, a tape. Or, it wasn't reel to reel, but just a cassette? regular old cassette. Yeah, because yeah. that's what they were all on. Yeah, oh, gotcha. But yeah, gotcha. that's what I've yeah. been doing the last yeah. two weeks is going down there <laughs> at night and just digging through my tapes. And you know, some some the sound quality isn't so good, and others you're, you're, it just blows you away. That after twenty five years, yeah, just sitting in a basement, some yeah. of these are. I recently discovered a box of tapes uh, in in my basement. Um, and it included a whole lot of air checks for radio stations I've been, that I used to work for, oh, including cool. one. Uh, and I, I, I did a, a talk show with uh, on a, a network talk show, and and I found the Tom the uh, um, Leon Redbone tape. Oh, cool. it was great. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking amazing. Where he goes, uh, man's not dressed unless he has a nice hat, and uh, and I also found the tape of a show that I, I was doing just before I left Baltimore in 97. And it was like, it was like the last one. It was like the last show before I left. And it was like fraught because I was coming out here to be with, to be with a woman. And it was like, I can't wait. You know, and all, it was, it was amazing. You know, it was, yeah. uh, it was fun to relive that stuff, but uh, it was, you know. Yeah. It reminds me uh, back to my tapes. I don't know. A big yeah. space in my head right now in my life. But uh, going through the tapes last night, I pulled out a, a Willie Nelson with Leon Redbone. Ah! And I, ah! I, I wish I... Together? I wish, yeah. I've never heard that. Uh, what yeah, was it? I, I didn't play it yet. It's so old that wow. I haven't seen it in forever. And I remember being like, huh, this, this is something, it was just some kind of random one-off, you know, some, sometimes those happen and somebody's there to record off the soundboard. I bet that was amazing. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll, I'll give it a play and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and give you a report on it. <laughs> Willie Nelson, wow, what a pair. Yeah. I, I, I introduced him by saying, um, uh, and now from his home just outside of uh, Philadelphia, I'd like to, and he goes, no, 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 I'm in Paris. And that was at the time, this was, this was in, the, in the late 80s, where I knew I dialed the Philadelphia area code mm-hmm. and nobody had cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew I was calling Philadelphia. <laughs> no, no, no. So I played along with it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> if Donald Trump can be his own publicist over the phone, I mean, like, Oh, Sorry to bring that up. We, yeah. Let's get off that and go back to music. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. So, uh, so you're not tired of it yet, huh? No, I I really like the yeah. groove my life is in. That's and, great. Um, you know that now you don't have to wear twenty hats there anymore. Yeah. Whereas it used to be um, imperative that that you did. So GT and I both. He's got two boys. I've got a couple kids. Uh-huh. We're able to step back a little more and, and just we have such good people work in there that we trust. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, trust our GM, Dan Smith, is, um, you know, one of the great people I've met in the business. And so uh-huh. I, he has, you know, fully trust the way he does things. And so we just don't have to micromanage. I can really focus on, on music and uh, the stuff I'm interested in as opposed to, uh-huh. you know, 
slamming kegs around and yeah stuff yeah, that my yeah, back yeah. is not interested in anymore yes. you know? <laughs> Um, so the, the club it really did make its mark in soul music. I mean, that's, that's where you go to hear, to hear the bands. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess that's yeah. a big part of it. You know, we have the, the Hammond that we, and the Leslie that we initially got, bought it from Scott Pemberton. Really? Because he was our big first, as far as live music goes, yeah. that Triclops right. band was I really. I remember. Yeah, that was really what, for live music, kind of made our mark. And we love that having the Hammond. So he has an amazing collection of vintage instruments at his house. He sold us that one. Huh. Now that one's in my basement. And we have a different <laughs> one that we got from Alan Stone's touring guy huh. um, at the club. And uh, yeah, so soul jazz, soul, anything that. Yeah. Yeah. The Hammond's definitely helped um, kind of define some of the genres that we're doing because every keyboardist who comes in and sees that is like uh -huh. oh we're gonna do some soul jazz tonight yeah i want to yeah. play that so. nice so nice. yeah it's been nice, nice. to have that yeah. and you've had all kinds of people you know come through there who on, on their way up yeah you know, like live warfield for instance yep oh yeah yeah, yeah. And sometimes you get guys who are really established who yeah. come down it's not that on their way down it's just that they're they sometimes want to play a small club right we've had you know like it was just an incredible honor when Melvin Sparks played. Yeah. Um, and you're so cool because as far as everybody who's played there, in my mind, he would be one of the right up at the top. Uh -huh. And he wouldn't let anybody carry his amp. Really? Yeah. He was like, I always carry my own amp into a gig. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, humble. And lots of people in the room had no idea who he was. Really? Um and yeah, they were just there for a show, and wow. and from the minute he sat down and started to play, it was one of those rare shows. Everyone just shuts up, <laughs> and all the heads turn. Yeah, uh, we had Leo yeah. Nocentelli come in and play. Um, I missed that. Yeah, that was really neat. Yeah, that was cool. He plays a million notes now. Yeah, he's like John McLaughlin now. <laughs> yeah, so it was, funny. That was a great show. We've yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it just gets, and sometimes we get some some New Orleans guys who uh -huh. who, who want to come up, and yeah. um, that's always a real treat to yeah. to get some of that. Yeah. That's yeah. a tougher tougher tour for those guys to get from from New Orleans. There's a lot of dead <laughs> space say. between yeah. there and here that they yeah. you know hard to fill gigs. But when we get yeah. lucky and we can get someone in there like Joe Crown, Wolfman Washington, yeah. stuff like that, those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always make sure that I come down for those shows. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy. What a great club. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> just is, you know. Yeah. I, I like the it. Fa the fact that it's so small and and the, the, the low ceiling really helps it. It helps it, I think, instead of, instead of her. It's instead always of been my favorite thing. Yeah. You know, I yeah. sometimes you see a band who's these are usually more like guys on the way up. Yeah who have started doing theaters and right. so they have an expectation and they come in there right. and they're like, why the fuck would my agent put us in here? We're on the way up. <laughs> and I tell them, dude, you're going to have the best show. You're going to have a great yeah. time yeah. because, and they don't like, there's no stage, you know, mm -hmm. it's only one inch tall. And I say, trust me, you're going to love that because <laughs> you'll never have a crowd more into what you're doing than yeah. when you're basically right at their level. Right. Um, so, I think it's been a benefit, but yeah, definitely some guys get out of the touring van and they just want to turn around and get back in. And, and, and then, you know, inevitably though, those guys afterwards are like, shit, you were right, man. That, that was, that was so much fun. We're coming back, you know? So, 
So what brought you to Portland? Uh, let's see. I was, that was 97. I had been living in Crete. Crete? Yeah. Wow. In Greece mm-hmm. uh, since May. <clears throat> and I came back to Chicago for just after Thanksgiving to visit my mom, spend Christmas with her. And I was about six weeks into being there in her apartment and realizing that um, much as I love her, maybe she's listening. <laughs> that is way too long for a 24-year-old, 23-year-old guy to be hanging out living in his mom's apartment. So yeah. my, I was kind of at the point where it was either get an apartment of my own, yeah. but then I kind of, or get back on the road. Yeah. And, uh, and then just randomly a buddy called me. Um, I don't know how he tracked me down because there was no cell phones and stuff like right. that. But he called me at my right. mom's place and said, uh, hey, I'm in Portland. And uh, I'm going to buy this houseboat. Do you want to <laughs> come live on this houseboat? Wow. And I found a ticket that matched what I had in my bank account and came out. And then, of course, the guy never got a fucking houseboat. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up buying a house that, he, that, I, that I lived in that he remodeled while I uh-huh. lived there. So I was like under plaster for a while. But um, that was kind of what, what brought me here was just this. I didn't know anything about Portland. But... Uh, it was just this hope of being on a houseboat, which was just seems so much better than being in my mom's sewing room. And, uh, yeah, so I uh, came out here, like flew into, it was nighttime, and so it was dark, and we were in Northwest, yeah. and so I couldn't really see anything, but it seemed fun, and then the next morning I woke up. What time of year was it? This was like February. Oh, man. So I wake up, and it's that Saturday morning or whatever, and my buddy's asleep, so I just roll a joint make some coffee yeah i said i could take a walk around the neighborhood i walked outside and it was one of those like random february days that's 60 and sunny oh right with blue skies and moss on everything yes Yes. and i he lived right over on flanders i took a few blocks walk and i was in washington park (laughs) just walking through those groves of of huge trees yeah yeah and and right then i was like i'm I'm, this is my place yeah and i left for a few years and came back but really the pacific northwest is I I just can't get over the beauty and yeah, right. I just knew right away yeah. like the moss and the trees and the mm-hmm. huge sword ferns mm-hmm. and you know all the plants that at the time I didn't know what they were um, they just drew me in I was like this is this is gonna do it <laughs> um, and then of course I left uh, after a year uh, for two years two really? and a half years and then came back where'd you go uh, well I met a woman here who's uh-huh. now my wife and uh-huh. we went up to Alaska huh. um, I started working for a river guiding company, kind of low man on the totem pole, like, yeah. like shuttling gear, doing stuff like that at first. And she worked for a pilot, kind of <laughs> coordinating their flights for glacier stuff. And, uh-huh. um, so that, that's kind of where we were. And then uh, and then she, this is a long story. Are you okay with this? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And she, it, we were there for a while, and then she gets into medical school out in Syracuse. So she, she has to bolt from Alaska. And so for the next couple years i would just spend my time in the summer and spring and early fall with the rafting company yeah and then go to syracuse for the winter huh. the only person in the in world who ever <laughs> chooses to spend their winters in syracuse but that's what i did for a while and then after well compared to spending in alaska yeah that's right. true yeah, that's true right. uh, and then, but then that, yeah it, that just became kind of untenable for our relationship so right. um we ended up back in portland she she ended up dropping huh. out of medical school wow and we had this great, awesome, romantic cross-country trip to make it back to the West. Nice. Um, and then we got nice. here and realized that we <clears throat> didn't have a plan. 
<laughs> so she 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 walked into OHSU thinking maybe we she could just transfer in there, but yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, oh so boy, that's why I was to get roundabout to get to the Goodfoot origin <laughs> story. Um, she had to go back in December because uh. they were like, "Well, your loans are going to come due if you don't re-enroll." Yeah. So I was just going to meet her uh, in the spring of 2001. I was going to stay for like four months, uh-huh. make a little jing, just kind of constantly. Right. Driving back and forth across the country. I was broke. Jeez. And then that's when GT shows up one day and is uh-huh. like, hey, I got the key to this place. You want to check it out with me? <laughs> and uh, that changed everything. You know, wow. within a couple of months, I was like, Nikki, i probably going to stick around. Yeah. And she was super supportive. Um, huh. And uh, Did so, she ever come to the club? Uh, not a ton. Yeah. She loves it, but not yeah. a ton. Yeah. Um, well, you got kids now. We got kids. Yeah. And before yeah. we had kids, she... You know, she she works less now, but she early on in a medical career, you're uh, you're pretty yeah. darn busy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, she loves what we do. She's got a lot of friends through there, and um, definitely couldn't have pulled it off without having a good person behind me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard bad stories about you. I've heard a lot of bad stories about club, about club owners. Oh, okay. But I never heard a bad story about you. I try to be a good person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. and really with the stuff we're we're dealing with, it's such small potatoes anyways, um, that I just I can't imagine why anybody would not have good vibes doing it. You know what I mean? Just, oh well they do. They do. Appar- <laughs> apparently they do, and I don't understand how you could be around music all the time and um and and, and be a mean person about it you know? well you have to start out being mean i think yeah 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 I, that's that gets back to that midwest lutheran uh, way i was raised just <laughs> raised to be nice i guess well neil thank you for coming in this has been terrific you know yeah. I, 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 it's I, I like to have i like to have uh, people who run clubs on on the podcast once in a while I had jim brunberg in here and and uh people like that and and uh terrific and uh Thanks for coming in. Yeah, anytime. You know, now that I've broken my uh, yeah broken my silence, you know, you may have to <laughs> lock the doors and keep me out. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> That's good. <laughs>